Right, so um, this is a bit of an unusual one. Um, I think it's funny. I, th I think there's a really funny thing that, that, that happened. Uh, so uh, Owen, Owen Benjamin, on his, uh, on his latest video, which I think is probably now only on unauthorized, it's video number 540. I forget what the title is, but it's number 540. Anyway, towards the end of it, he's opening packages and mail, and one of the bears wrote to him and told him, hey, there's this guy called the Kurgan. He is willing to debate you on the moon landings, but, you know, not like you think. He, he agrees the moon landings were faked, but that we still went there another way. And immediately, Owen is like, well, if he agrees that the moon landings were faked, then what's there to debate? We'd just be two guys talking. And, you know, most people think, yeah, you know, that that's fine. But to me, it was kind of hilarious because, um, well, it's difficult to explain in a, in the, in the context of, you know, the fact that Owen and I have never met, that he's on the other side of the planet and that it's all happening via the internet and stuff. But let me just, um, let me make a, an analogy to, to what this was like. And, and the reason I think it's funny and kind of cool is because it shows what normal interaction between men actually is like. And it's, uh, it's so rare these days that, you know, I used to have this all the time with my friends and where I grew up and stuff. But in the so-called civilized world, this happens less and less often. And so I'm going to paraphrase what happened in a slightly different way. So imagine, for example, you know, there is a man with something to say. A man of German stock and a good, strong, loud, shouty voice. So what does he do? Um, maybe he goes to a beer hall. You know, some of you that know a bit of history might uh, might find this a bit funnier than others. So this this man of German stock with a shouty voice goes to a beer hall because, you know, that's where the people are. And uh, although he's a teetotaler, and he decides to talk in this beer hall about all sorts of things. You know, the things that disturb him, the things that um, he feels for his people. And uh, complains about the lack of sombreros and, you know, the fact that there's a lot of people with very tiny hats running around and he finds that quite disturbing and their behavior quite disturbing. So he's talking to a people loudly. He might have a mustache, you know, he's grown out a mustache at some point. And he's just going on and there's another guy in, the, in, in that beer hall, you know, also doesn't drink, but he's there. He's having a coffee while everybody else is drinking beer. The shouty man of German stock, big man, you know, big, strong, German stock type man is going on about all sorts of things and then he talks about the moon landings and he's sort of a little bit ranty and saying nobody went to the moon we didn't go to the moon it's a lie you know and, and the other man that's sitting down with no mustache almost no hair at all he's listening to this and sort of agreeing with everything that the shouty man is saying more or less you know he says yeah and the moon landings were fake the moon landings were fake and, you know, the, the other man with no hair sitting there is thinking, yeah, he, he's right about them being faked. I mean, he's wrong about us not having gone to the moon, but, you know, that's all right. It's He's a good guy. I can see where he's coming from. And then the shouty man at one point goes, we didn't go to the moon. We didn't go to the moon. Why will nobody debate me about the fact that we didn't go to the moon? And at that point, the bald man goes, what did you say? I'll fucking debate you. 
I'll fucking debate you about whether we went to the moon. We went to the fucking moon, man. So now the man stands up. goes, I'll debate you. And the other guy goes, yeah, you'll debate me? Okay. Well, the moon landings were faked, fucker. And the bald man is, yeah, they were. Well, then what do you want to debate about? Well, we did go to the moon. Oh, well, I don't know about that, but they were faked. You know, the, the moon landings were faked. Oh, yeah, I agree with you on that. They were faked. Oh, so what do you mean, man? Well, anti-gravity. Anti-gravity? Yeah, you know, Tesla, Thomas Townsend Brown. Tesla? I know Tesla. Yeah, Tesla. Tesla's fucking genius, man. You're right. He is. I wrote about him. Whole chapter just for him. Tesla, master of resonance. Yeah, he's, he's like the vibration guy. That's right, Tesla. And who's the other guy? Thomas Townsend Brown. Look into it. That's how we went to the moon, man. Thomas Townsend Brown and Nazis. All right, man. I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. Okay, no problem. Yeah, cheers. That, that's pretty good. Maybe we should have a non-alcoholic drink at some point. Yeah, talk more about this. <laughs> you know? And it's... Uh, the reason I found it funny is because the... It's so like such a male response, you know, because I, I agree with just most of the things that Owen says in a lot of his videos. And I agree that the moon landings are fake. But the moment that he said, like, why won't anybody debate me about the moon landings? My, it's just my animal instinct. It was like, fuck, you mean nobody will debate you? I'll debate you, man. But you see the misunderstanding, right? Because he's not actually saying we didn't go to the moon. He's saying that the moon landings were faked. And they were. They absolutely were. And and his response when somebody tells him, this guy will debate you. Know, well, what the fuck are you going to debate me about if he agrees that it was fake? There's nothing to debate. Because we're on the same page then. And we are. It's uh, But it's, it's very, uh, I don't know. I just found it hilarious. And uh, I, I think it also showed a lot of little things. You know, he was also talking about bravos and gammas and sigmas and all that stuff. And uh, again, it's very, very interesting. You, you can tell, you know, it might seem like I'm rambling to a lot of people here, but um, I'm not. I, I saw a lot of stuff. And what I'm doing now is also exposing a little bit how the brain of somebody that's, you know, got 150 plus IQ, how it works and how it picks up from one thing, it can like create a whole bunch of ideas. So the other thing was talking about gammas and bravos and so on. And like, you know, I was thinking about that while he was talking. And I thought, you know, he is, yeah, Owen is correct. He is a bravo. He's absolutely a bravo who's getting pushed to be an alpha many times. And he's just situationally being positioned to be an alpha. So he's kind of had to learn how to cope with that. But he is a bravo. And the thing is, you know, bravos are awesome. They're like, I, I like them. You know, they, they're... They're loyal, man. Those guys will, you know, if you've got a bravo in your in your foxhole, in your in your trench when the war comes, you're gonna be alright or you're gonna die together. That guy's gonna stand by your side, you know. And that's uh I, I to me that's probably the one of the highest um I would say probably the highest uh virtue, you know, loyalty to your to your fellow friend, your man, to to, to your to, to to the men that, that are around you. I mean, one of my, who used to be my favorite song, and I don't know, it's still probably my favorite song, is um, Brothers in Arms. And every time I hear that song, you know, sort of like, 
the hair that I've lost on the back of my neck, sort of trying to stand up. And there's a whole, that whole dynamic is playing there too, because imagine that we were like face to face, it would be like that too, you know, like kind of a Sigma guy, just sort of like, yeah, listen, Zane, it doesn't, it doesn't bother him what's going on. But the moment something touches on something that he's interested in, he's like, what? And, you know, you might've just thought, oh, he's just some little beta guy sitting there minding his own business. And all of a sudden you're like, where the fuck did this guy come from? And the thing about the Bravo is like, it, they don't really have an ego as such, you know? He'll be like, I'm fucking right about this. I'm fucking right about this. And then you'll sort of go, yeah, but by the way, there's another piece there. And it'll be like, oh, oh yeah, thanks, man. Thanks. And and that is kind of Owen's character, you know? And then that led me to thinking about genetics and like origins and so on. And again, it's interesting because, and, and you know, Owen said this himself, basically. He's like, German peasant stock, you know, I know he's got like a 25% of, you know, some other kind of, uh, you know, let's just say in Germany a few years back, he, he would have been, you know, in a camp somewhere, but you know, let's just skip that. He's, uh, he's generally of good solid peasant stock. And again, if you think about warrior types, you know, and I'll, I'll come back to why I thought about warrior types as well. If you think about warrior types, Owen is sort of, you, you can tell, he's kind of like the Germanic, barbaric sort of like, we're gonna kill them with a big battle axe type sword and, you know, probably a bear helmet or something. And you can see that that's how he approaches stuff. And he's like, yeah, fuck it, we'll tear them all apart. And at the same time, it's not a stupid guy. You know, if, if you're not smart, if you're, you know, if, if you can see certain things, at first glance, you sort of think, oh, he's just kind of a bumbling, loud guy, but he's not. Uh, Owen's got a very good brain on him. And um, he thinks quick on his feet to a certain, in certain ways. And, and he, he, he'd be a good soldier. You can sort of see the type of people that would uh, form around somebody like Owen, you know, who lacking an alpha, he, he'll, he'll play the alpha role and he'll be surrounded by other sort of loyal, happy, generally positive, friendly kind of, yeah, we're going to go there and we're going to fuck them up. And then we'll drink some beers and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take them out and yeah, no, we're done now. We've taken them out. Oh, okay. Oh, you used to be one of the bad guys. Oh, you learned your lesson. Oh, you're, you're okay. You can have a drink with us. I think that's the kind of, that's a little bit like what the bears are like a bit. And that's a little bit what Owen is like, you know, he's sort of very much sort of like, you're an asshole. But if you say, you know what, you're right. I was an asshole. I'm sorry. He's the kind of guy that would go like, okay, we're good, man. You know, have a beer, you know, I don't, I won't have it, but you can, you know, <laughs> he's that kind of a guy. And he's very, you can't help but like somebody like that. You know, they're, they're, they inspire loyalty because they give loyalty. And I'm quite different, you know, from, from that. I'm not as gregarious or anything like that. And uh, I suppose the thing about Sigmas is that they're a real pain in the ass in, in every sense. And also they're, they're kind of probably the more difficult to peg type of people because they're, they're, they're difficult to put in a box somewhere. They're just a little bit unique in, in each one of their own little freak ways. Like Vox is, is very much a Sigma. And Vox and I think 
quite similarly on a lot of things. Um, but, uh, you know, one of, one of the biggest differences, I think, between Vox and I is that he's a far better strategic thinker than I am. And I've said that before, you know, like, I think we have very similar IQs. I, I found out after the little gamma, you know, uh, people trying to, to put stuff between us that apparently his IQ is 150 and I know mine tested between 152 and 157. So 155, 150, but you know, five points at that level doesn't mean very much. And I, I don't, I, you know, I, I always thought we were around the same number. And, um, but the thing is that I also know that Vox, to put it in his own words, I believe, if I remember correctly, is uh, completely retarded when it comes to special sp spatial um, intelligence. He, he literally can't do little puzzles that like a six-year-old will put together, which means that in other areas, his IQ is higher than that. And I think at least probably one standard deviation higher. So I would, I would, I would put Vox at about a 165 IQ on strategic thinking. And all I'm aware of is that it's higher than mine. And, you know, mine's not bad. I became really aware of this when I read uh, von Clausewitz um, on war. And it describes four different types of, of, uh, of men in, in sort of a war type of scenarios. And I don't remember what the first two are, but the, the last two are sort of like, kind of like a captain and a general. And, and, you know, they're quite different because a captain can inspire loyalty in his men. He can, he can take up positions and so on. But a general has to have a whole different view of things for the, for the full field. And that's very much a Vox way of thinking. Which um, you know I've learned quite a bit from from Vox in trying to to think a little bit more that way, um, but my strength where I know I'm better than Vox and you know we've discussed it and he, he agreed on it when we spoke on the phone. This was a couple of years ago actually now, but um, you know with quite a quite a I wouldn't say very long conversation, but we, we spoke about it briefly and I said you know your your ability to strategize is is, is amazing. Um, but I, I noticed my, my tactical thinking is better than yours. And, and he just said, well, you know, I never thought I was a particularly good tactician. And, um, I also think about, well, what's the nature of that? Was it our upbringing that made some difference? Is it like a genetic thing? You know, probably a little bit of both, but I think your environment probably does shape it. And, um, you know, my environment was very much day to day sort of survival while I think he had to strategize more long-term. So probably that might play a part in it. Um, and it's, uh, it's just interesting to see all these dynamics and these changes. And I was just sort of thinking, you know, what kind of, if, if I had to be a leader of some kind of warrior thing, you know, what, what would each of these people look like? And I think, like I said, Owen would be sort of the Germanic berserker friendly, uh, aggressive sort of bear type. I think Vox would be a strategic general, sort of in the background, moving pieces on a chessboard more type of guy. That's not to say that that uh, you know Vox is not afraid of any kind of confrontation, but um, it's just his nature. I think is very strategic, is very long term thinking, and he's very patient. He's a very patient man, which. Uh, I'm not. In fact, for most of my life, I've thought of patience not as a virtue, but I, I, I had a saying that patience is an excuse for the witless, you know. 
If you're too slow, you, you got to pretend to be patient because you can't just get shit done. And, you know, as I've got older and I've uh, become Christian and all sorts of things, I realized the importance of patience. Um, it's, it's a far more important thing than I thought most of my life. But it's also because, you know, I'm a pretty capable guy. So most of the time I didn't need to be patient. I could just fucking push through it and get it done. But as a as a war leader type thing, I know exactly what my position, you know, if I was forced to lead a group of people, it would be like a little team of special forces guys or something, you know, because I never played team sports. You know, that's another interesting dynamic. If you think, you know, Vox plays football, he's always kind of got team sport sort of mentality thinking and strategic thinking, which you need in team sport. I've always avoided team sports like the plague because you know, if I screwed up and did something wrong that affected the whole team, I'd feel like terrible. And at the same time, if somebody else has screwed up something that I think I could do that in my sleep, I'd get pissed off. So I just like, nah, I'd just rather do my own thing. And, and yet, as, as a Christian, I think that Vox and I have probably a slightly different take on things. I think Vox is more uh, individualistic in his Christianity. And I'm actually quite respectful of the fact that, um, you know, because most humans are human, you kind of need an overarching set of rules that the average person can just follow without thinking about it too much. Um, which leads me back to the warrior thing, you know, why I was thinking about warriors. And it is, again, something that Owen was talking about. And he was talking about vengeance and how vengeance is the Lord's and you shouldn't, you know, try and, and do anything violent to anybody because it just, it's counterproductive and so on. And, you know, he's right. I, I can see that from a Christian perspective, he's absolutely right. Having said that, I was thinking about how do you reconcile that with definitely violent actions and, and violent uh, responses that Christian men in history have had and have had to have, and without which we probably wouldn't be here. Um, so there must be some people, um, in particular, what he was talking about was like, you, you get addicted to, you know, if you, I don't know, let's just hypothetically say that, I don't know, you're a millionaire or you win the lottery and you can now get like all the Batman tools to, to be able to, uh, kill pedophiles you can just find out who the pedophiles are and you can kill them off one by one and you're not going to get caught and you're not going to get you know put in jail nobody will know that you're doing it you can get away with it and what he's saying is that that would become very addictive you know and then the abyss looks into you sort of thing i've never been a fan of uh, nietzsche if that's how you say it, you know the german syphilitic guy who went crazy at the end and as far as I'm concerned, most German philosophers are complete fucking idiots. You know, that people talk about, uh, what's the other guy's name? Is it Schopenhauer or whatever? It's a fucking moron. And Nietzsche is, is like, you know, a syphilitic cretin. But um, I think it was him that said, um, oh, I forgot the saying now, it'll come back to me. Anyway, the the thing is, if you 
yeah, yeah, it was Nietzsche that said, like, uh, you know, if you look into the abyss, the abyss will also look into you. And I've always disagreed with that. I always thought, what a lot of shit. What a lot of spineless, weak, pussy-ass way of thinking. You know, if I look in the, into the abyss, the abyss is not going to look back into me. If I look into the abyss, I'm going to piss in it, and then I'll go down it with a flame. I'll, call, I'll set it on fire. The abyss isn't going to do shit to me. But... You know, you have to have that kind of mentality because otherwise it's true. You know, the average person, the normal people that do look into the abyss or, or, or walk into it, they do get completely corrupted. And, you know, we're all human, we're all fallible. And, and but, you know, I've got weaknesses like every, like any normal human, but I've also got strengths. And I, I was thinking that I could see a guy like Owen you know, if, if he became Batman and was taking out pedophiles, I could see he would become addicted to that. And I could see it would scar him and make him eventually corrupt him and, and make him a bad sort of person. And he, and he, he says that himself. Vox, Vox is the kind of guy who I think, if he had that ability, probably wouldn't use it or he would use it very sparingly and very strategically. So he might take out the like Hillary Clinton baby eater types rather than your common garden variety pedophile. And he might do something else that in a roundabout way gets around to getting these guys, you know, to be eaten by pit bulls because he creates a pit bull farm that, you know, pedophiles thinks works or something. You know, it'll be some weird sort of thing that you can't see right away, but but it over time has, has an effect. I would be like... Yeah, I, I can do this all day, you know, maybe not all day, but, you know, I could do a couple of them a week and I wouldn't get addicted and I don't think it would corrupt me. Um, it would probably end up making me think more strategically long term because I do think it is true that if you just, you know, do that sort of thing and, and, and there is no... A larger plan than yourself, then yeah, you're gonna get corrupted. But you see, if I suddenly became, you know, murderous Batman or whatever, I wouldn't be doing that just to satisfy my own personal desires. It would be like a an act of civil duty, you know, like 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 wiping out some horrific disease or something. You, you wouldn't be there thinking about, yeah, I want to kill this bacteria one by one. You know, that's not the way you think about it. So like, yeah, this is evil bacteria. It causes the bubonic plague and we need to kill it. You know, it would be like killing, I don't know, diseased rats or something. Or it, it wouldn't. So, and that made me think there's, there's different types of people, you know. And I think the types of people that are able to do that sort of stuff and not get completely corrupted by it are probably few and far between. And I do believe that they have to have a very strong religious uh, belief in some way. And I, not necessarily Christianity, but see that there is a link that I've noticed between real warriors, you know, people that are, that have been willing and able to go to war, kill other human beings, you know, not just one or two randomly, but repeatedly over time and retain their humanity. They're few and far between. And without exception, they all have 
an overarching belief in something larger than themselves. Whether it's the Shintoist samurai with his belief in the ancestors and uh, you know the the, the, the goddess of, of of light and whatever, or whether it's a Christian with his belief in the forgiveness of Jesus, uh, you know, cleaning away your sins and and purgatory, uh, letting you still get to heaven even if you've done some horrible shit because your intent was good, um, or whether you're you know, I don't know, a deeply philosophical Buddhist who decides to build up karma by, by killing evil people in order to help the karma of his nation or something. You know, regardless of who these people are, they always had, I don't know, a single sort of really what I would call healthy warrior, because there are, there are plenty of fighters, there are plenty of soldiers, there are plenty of people that maybe have killed a lot of people, but they're damaged. They're not healthy uh, inside. They're not healthy mentally. They're not healthy spiritually. They're not healthy emotionally. They, you know, probably are unable to have a, a functional relationship and so on. But there are men that can do this stuff and. <coughs> be perfectly fine with their with their kids with their wives and so on now the, i suppose there's two schools of thoughts one school of thought is that such people are called psychopaths the other school of thought which is the one i have is that yeah there, there is such a thing as psychopaths but generally those people are not are not functioning properly in society anyway they're they're not healthy anyway you know they they're generally quite negative and they can they can become quite toxic but there is another type of person which generally seems to have either really strong religious belief and generally both and and sometimes a, a very well-developed sense of um, justice or ethics that includes the penalty of death for certain crimes and um, you know that includes Catholics, real Catholics, have always and always believed in the death penalty. It is uh, considered a dignified aspect of of the spiritual condition of being human in a fallen world. You 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 have to have the death penalty. Uh, you have to believe in the death penalty as a, as a Catholic because it is the only way to restore justice. Sometimes, um, so it's it's interesting this kind of stuff. I. Well, to me anyway, I don't know. We'll, we'll see if anybody else finds it interesting. But, um, you know, there's um, there's also different ways of, of perceiving dangers or threat or, or some kind of uh, fraud for these different types of personalities. You know, like a Bravo, like, like Owen, especially because you can see that Owen is a genuine person. You know, he's a he's a guy that'll he'll share his last piece of bread with you you know if you're in the trench and, and just the two of you and he doesn't even know you that well and he's like well i haven't eaten in a week and i've only got this piece of bread but he doesn't have shit and he's in the same trench i'll give him half you know he's that kind of a guy i think and um so you can you can sort of tell that that's that's his kind of approach to to life and people and so on um 
while while the, the the aspect of generosity is there, you know, for example, Vox is uh, is a very generous guy. When um, well, well, I don't want to disclose any weird things, but anyway, he's um, one of the very first times I, I I went to his place. He he was a very very generous man. Most people wouldn't think that. You know, most people that know him through his videos and his blog and so on would think he's a cold-hearted, cruel guy. And he's not that at all. You know, he's, uh, I think, you know, you have to keep in mind that the guy is being siege. I mean, he's, last, he's lasted longer than Troy at this point. Uh, I think he's almost 20 years now that he's been sieged by, you know, SJWs and all sorts of gammas and weirdos and freaks and all kinds, you know, going at him, scientists and whatever. And he's just, none of them have taken him down and he just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so you've got to understand that, you know, with that territory comes a certain type of persona. But in his uh, element, Vox is a very friendly, very, um, very nice guy, you know. And so I'm not saying one is better than the other, but they're just different. And it's interesting to, to think about this stuff in my in my mind, because I sort of think, what are they likely to develop, and what what are these kind of people going to be like working together and and moving towards a certain thing, and they're going to be very effective, very effective. Another point that I think Vox mentioned in one of his, um, I think it was his video number four hundred and one, which um, which was uh, I think like six minutes in, he talks about how he's never monetized YouTube so he doesn't care if they take him off and because of that and because he's ready they probably won't take him off you know or they'll take him off probably probably later than they'll take me off I don't you know I'm like I've got a tiny audience compared to his but it's interesting how you see this is a this is a good example of strategic versus tactical so Vox strategically never tried to monetize YouTube doesn't care about it. He's got his other ways of getting doing things. And he thought it all through and he's got fully backup for everything. And he planned it, you know, he probably has, I don't know, that guy he probably has like secret vaults of like I wouldn't be surprised if Vox has his own little internet like building up somewhere under like like the mountains of Italy or something. Because um, he thinks on a huge scale as well, which, uh, you know, I'm used to that too. I think that way too, but our approach is completely different and our way of getting there is completely different. So he thinks about that sort of thing strategically. I instinctively have never monetized all sorts of things. I've instinctively rejected all sorts of offers from, you know, TV people, movie people, just out of instinct. And it's only maybe years later that I figure out, oh, that's why I had that feeling. Which brings me to another topic that's very hot, the IQ thing again. So IQ, you know, there's, I get all these little gammas coming at me trying to like uh, say, Owen doesn't have a 147 IQ. He's too stupid. He's retarded. He's, he's not an intelligence. And he, to, he won't take a, a test. He won't take an online test for his IQ. So a couple of things to clear up. First of all, Owen is on record saying he will take a live IQ test for $25,000 because that makes it worth his while. He still thinks it would be a pain in the ass, but he'd do it. You got 25 grand? Go ahead. He'll do it live with a monitor, you know, to prove that it's a real thing. 
And um, that's exactly the right response. But remember what I told you. There's a 30-point IQ gap. So if Owen's IQ is 147, and if mine is 155, and if Vox's is 150, and your IQ is 120, which is smart, you know, you're a smart boy, but you literally can't understand what the hell is going on in our brain or how we get there or any of the things that we think about. You're, you're literally incapable of it. So anybody that wants to tell me that my IQ or Vox's IQ or Owen's IQ is not what we, what we say it is, you're going to have to, first of all, present a video of yourself being monitored under you know proper conditions that we can verify that you've taken an IQ test and that your IQ is at the minimum 130. Because if your IQ is below 130, you're not in a position to be able to tell what my IQ is, what Vox's IQ is, what Owen's IQ is. You won't be able to. You literally cannot do it. Okay? You can guess, but it'll be a random guess. And in fact, even with an IQ of 130, you won't be able to guess. But with an IQ of 130, there is some hope that perhaps some of the things that we tell you, you can see the gaps that we naturally miss just because we don't think to fill them in. And this is why I was saying I'm a better tactician than Vox. He's a better strategist. Now, a tactician has got a much higher speed generally. Tactics uh, relies on speed, surprise, and shock factor, you know, in terms of warfare. Strategy, of course, benefits from all of these things, but not necessarily as much as, as tactics. And, you know, while I have an instinct about stuff, I mean, you know, for me, writing was originally kind of torture. It was a very tortured process because... I had to put things that I knew I felt and I could understand into words for other human beings to understand. And it's like, I don't need that. I don't really need to think in words. I know stuff. I just know stuff. Instinctively, I'll know stuff. Like, monetize YouTube? No, stay away from me. Take money from that guy? No, stay away from me. And I don't, I don't know if you ask me, you know, like, what exactly are the steps that made you go there? I have to like literally sit down, stop and go through the steps. And, and it's laborious and tedious and it's long-winded for me. Keep in mind, for example, what I just talked about from the beginning of this video until now. We're now at 34 minutes and, and some seconds in. Yeah, In all of these 34 minutes, I've discussed various topics. All of those topics flashed into my brain in about maybe one minute, probably less than a minute, watching Owen read the letter that the bear guy told him, you know, where he told him that I'm willing to debate him about the moon landings. And I, I have to take 35 minutes just to try and explain some of the steps that happen in my head, because I can go on probably for another hour if I wanted to on the different things that just that one little interaction of Owen reading that piece made me realize and see and connect and all sorts of stuff. Now imagine your brain is working like that all the time, all the time. And literally, for me to have to explain all of this takes me at a minimum. We're doing this right now. And I didn't plan this when I started. I just I was just going to talk about this. And then I'm going to try and talk a little bit about IQ. And it's just happening now live. I didn't write down notes. I've got a couple of little notes here just on, um, on what I 
you know what I wanted to to mention about the the, the video that uh, that Owen spoke on the number of it and the number of the video that um, that Vox spoke on it and then just literally like one-liners talking about the uh, Tesla astronomy so so I didn't plan what I was going to do here but I have not strayed off course although it'll probably look like I've strayed in all sorts of directions to to most people watching this but I've not strayed from any of the topics that popped into my head within the 35 seconds or, or minute or whatever it was let's say a minute okay I'm sure it's less than a minute but let's say a minute it's probably seconds but less than a minute let's say a minute it took me now 36 seconds to try and explain what happened in my head in one minute so the ratio is 1 to 35 best case scenario because I promise you there's a bunch of other stuff that I haven't even mentioned that would be difficult for me to show you the link of why that made me think that and so on and so on it would take me a long time so if if my brain is operating like that normally and it takes me 35 times the amount of time to explain something to somebody that for me just happens naturally you can see that you know trying to verbalize everything is just it's not going to do it for me you know and that's what happens a lot of the times when Owen is talking and people think that guy's retarded. Owen is not retarded, trust me. That man, his brain is quick. And the thing is that I can see, you know, that very often he like doesn't even say the joke. He doesn't even say the next step. And he's trying to control himself. <laughs> I think a lot of the time Owen is almost trying to control himself to like make it you know, in a way that, that, that becomes, you know, sensible to the average person. And he's very good at that. He's very good at communicating human emotions to other people. So it works. But I can see that there's like, I don't know, maybe like two thirds of what's going on in his head. He, he's not even, he's, he can't literally explain it to you because it's just like, oh, fuck, I'll just let it go. And I'll, you know, and sometimes it goes off on these little tangents that you sort of think, oh, that's kind of dumb. But there's a whole little story behind it and you can literally almost see it in his eyes, you know. Um, while while Vox is, is a very different creature in that he's very deliberate, he's very slow in how he speaks, but he's already thought it all out. And I think what Vox has to do a lot of the time is like, I think he's trained himself and that's why I'm saying he's a very patient man. He's trained himself to like speak at a level where other human beings can sort of understand it and it's probably too slow some of the times so people think what is he being condescending is he being an asshole and it's like no he's not it's just if he tried to discuss something with you at his speed he'd get and and this happens even with people that have high iq because he's got his way of communicating which very few people on the planet think like him so he's developed his own way of communicating with himself first of all and then with others and my way is different and Owen's way is different so he might say a sentence and in my head I'm like okay he said that so does he mean this that that and the other or this that and then the other and then I'll ask him this point over here and he was talking about something else over here and he'll get frustrated and sort of like no what do you mean like you know I was talking about this I'm like, oh, you're going that whole other route. Okay. So it's very 
and sometimes I've, I've had occasions where I mentioned something to to Vox, and I could see it was somewhere else, or maybe was, and he couldn't, he didn't see where I was coming from. So it, you know, th this happens. It takes time, you know, like to to get to know a person and start to understand their way of communicating internally. And when these people have got like a high IQ and their brain is working, you know, some thirty odd times quicker or than than they can explain it and they might have you know they all have their own little idiosyncrasies it becomes really quite complicated i suppose to really know where they're coming from and like i said in one of the other videos the natural human instinct when you don't understand somebody when you can't see where they're going when you can't is that either they're deceiving you or there's some kind of trick you know you become weary you become because unfortunately, you know, human beings are fallen. So generally, if you don't understand what a guy's baffle garbing at you, he's probably like trying to message your head or something. And the reality is that, you know, he's not. I mean, like Vox is a very straightforward guy. He's, um, <laughs> I mean, when he, when he collapsed the Hugos, and it was the rabbit puppies that collapsed the Hugos, when, and, and that was basically all Vox. And the, when Vox collapsed, destroyed the Hugos and left a smoking, smoldering crater where it used to be, he literally told everybody, and on his blog, and on the, the videos that he did at the time, he literally told them what his strategy was going to be. He said, well, we're going to do X, Y, and Z, and this will result in A, B, and C, and we're going to win. And that's exactly what happened, you know, and it's like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know, you can't get any more straightforward than that, really. So, you know, and Owen is kind of the same. He's telling you, he's like, look, I'm going to call you out. If you're a fucking liar, I'm going to call you out. Very straightforward. You know, uh, well, same here, you know, all the little gammas that keep trying to comment and stuff, I I'm not, a, I don't care. I'm not even going to engage you. You know, if the, there's a little metaphorical mass grave for gammas and they just go straight in there. Don't pass go. Don't, I don't, don't bother with the labor camps. I just put them straight into the mass grave. You know, there's a reason they call me the Kurgan. Uh, mercy is not really high on my list most of the time. It's not true. I'm, I'm a merciful person, but you know, you got to deserve it sort of thing. Um, and I'm not very patient. So you know, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, I'm not going to waste my time with all those sort of little comments. But, um, yeah, I, uh, a lot of weird little concept all mixed together about uh, alphas and bravos. Actually, alphas, I'm trying to think of the alphas that I know of met or worked with or whatever. Alphas are kind of, they're kind of a pain in the ass to themselves too, you know. I, I, I'd hate to be an alpha. It's like, first of all, people, you know, it's people. It's like people. You have to like put up with their shit and, and sort of cater to their idiocy. And now it's just, fuck that. I, I, I couldn't do it, you know? No, I wouldn't. I've, I mean, I've had, I think every Sigma. Let me explain it another way. The scout, which, you know, in my social sexual hierarchy, there are alphas, betas, and scouts. And the betas encompass all the other things. Now, the reason for that is because the way that I measure 
people the way, the way that I measure other men. And, and again, it's barbaric, you know, I know it's savage, but that's just kind of where I come from sort of thing. So, and it served me well because, you know, but the way that I measure people is like, can I take this guy out? How do I take this guy out? How would he fight if I had to take him out? That's kind of like, and, and it's again, it's not a conscious thought. It's just an immediate, okay. And you get immediately categorized into alpha, beta, scout. So the betas, they're not a worry. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, when, I, when I'm talking about this, I don't mean necessarily physical fighting taking you out, although that is the origin of it. But the thing is, you know, you can be six foot five, like mixed martial artist, super killer, jacked up on all sorts of things. And like you can be, I mean, I've, I've trained with some of the top special forces guys in the world, honestly, like guys that I, I I won't even bother telling you about or maybe I'll tell you in some other video but people that can do stuff that if I hadn't had it done to me on me I would tell you you're lying and anybody that would have told me that before I experienced what these people can do not just to me but like a bunch of people in the room and and just I would have told you that is bullshit that is absolute fantasy it's nonsense but I trained with these guys okay I, I know them and there's no doubt in my mind that any one of these guys can take my ass out like a kid. And I can take most people out like they're kids. So, you know, there's always going to be some guy that's bigger out there. But I'm not talking about the physical taking somebody out. I'm talking about where's this guy? How would he fight? What is his way of being? What is his intent? And I am scary predictive with spotting weaknesses. Now, the thing is, you can be, you know, a bespectacle, four foot nothing, you know, weak little guy and, and pathetic at fighting. But if, uh, if your intent is to fight like a wolverine that's wounded, I would, uh, that guy is okay in my book. He might be a beta because he physically doesn't have the ability to, to do whatever, but, but he'd be loyal, he'd be a good guy and he would stand next to you. That guy is all right in my book. He's a type of beta. So a bravo kind of falls under that because, and you know, don't, don't get me wrong. The guy could be better than me at fighting. The guy could be better than me at whatever, you know, taking people out, whatever. But if his generic attitude is I'm a follower rather than a leader, he's some kind of a beta and he could be, like I said, you know, more skillful than I am or whatever. That's not the point. But the point is that mentally, spiritually, he's a beta to me. And I've, I've come across this, you know, one of these guys that is, uh, I'm not going to say who it is, but one of these guys that uh, definitely, you know, if you've ever played role-playing games, think of one of those role-playing games where you get 100 points, you know? This guy spent like 99 points on killing ninjas with like a toothpick, okay? He's fucking, uh, at, at a fighting physical level, he's unreal, okay? And I, I kept studying him and training with him and, and you know, he, literally he can do what he wants with me. Like, you know, like, like I'm a little tiny baby. He could like literally do whatever he wanted with me. And, and yet, 
<clears throat> you know, I was trying to see, like, what's this guy's weakness? You know, there's, there's got to be one, you know. And I spotted it at dinner. One moment, you know, in, in an unguarded moment, I sort of realized what his weakness was. And it had nothing to do with fighting. You know, I couldn't find any chink in that armor. It was his way of relating to um, to women. You know, that was where he was weaker than I am. And it's very interesting, very interesting thing. So, I mean, that guy is, is an alpha to me and everything that has anything to do with, with, with fighting. But in an area of life that's pretty important, he's a beta to me. So that's kind of how I categorize things. And alphas, alphas are kind of a pain in the ass because alphas are never actually as efficient or effective as a sigma that are spe specialized in, in whatever it is that the alpha is doing, right? Including leadership at brief periods of time. Because you can get a sigma that will take out an alpha and make the whole army follow him into the teeth of machine gun fire for that moment. <clears throat> but he won't be able to sustain it. You know, an alpha is the kind of brave captain that like leads the troops over the hill and gets them to fight even when there's all sorts of shit going on. And a Sigma is the kind of guy that will go along with that. He'll be probably like a sniper, a special forces guy or a guy that hides in the back because fuck it, he doesn't believe in this war. But when it comes to push comes to shove and the alpha is going to like lead everybody into almost certain death when the, the Sigma sees another way around it. The Sigma is the kind of guy that will take out his sidearm, shoot the captain in the face in front of everybody and goes, no, we're doing it this way. Anybody else wants to complain? And all of a sudden the people are just like, oh, fuck, we've got to follow this guy now. And he will take them some other route. Um, but he won't be able to sustain that. You see, an alpha sustains that sort of alpha behavior all the time. And it's just exhausting. I couldn't, I, you know. The reason I call, in my way of thinking, I call what Vox calls sigmas, I called scouts, is because the way I came up with the idea is like, you know, there used to be, we used to basically live in little groups of people, right? Tribes. And the thing is that a lot of people don't know this, but in some parts of the world where there's still very primitive people, a member of another tribe is considered an absolute danger and they get killed on the spot. You know, there are, there are tribes in the Amazon jungle and in Papua New Guinea where if, if one of these primitive tribes meets another tribesman from one of the other tribes, they'll try and kill him right there and then because he's, he's a danger, you know. And yet, given humanity, at some point, there must have been some people that had the ability to infiltrate a different tribe and somehow breed because, you know, they exist. The human race exists, which means there must have been some kind of level of cross-cultural pollination. And yes, wars and rape and pillage and all that certainly has an element of it. But at some point, when we move beyond the very primitive, oh, he's from another tribe, we kill him, to the sort of like, well, our tribes have been fighting for so long that we're kind of like mixed and we sort of became the same sort of thing, although not quite. And we'll still try and kill each other, but not as much as those bastards from over the hill because they're over the hill. They're even worse. There's got to be some guy that was able to go between these two 
sort of warring tribes and fit in somehow. And this is not a beta. And this is not an alpha. You can't be an alpha because you don't just walk into another tribe and take over. You'll get killed. But you can't be a beta because you don't just walk into another tribe and sort of go like, okay, guys, I'm just going to, you know, do whatever the fuck you want and, and be a little bitch. You won't survive. You won't breed. You know, the, the women won't give it up for you. So it's got to be something different. It's got to be something that is able to infiltrate another tribe and be successful enough at least to reproduce. And in some cases, get rid of the people that, you know, would give him a, a survival pressure. You know, <clears throat> maybe the lieutenants of the Alpha don't like him. Maybe one of the guys that, you know, wh whichever girlfriend he stole under her nose wants to kill him. He has to be able to fight these people off, get rid of them or convince everybody else. Or in some cases, even take out the Alpha just to like shake things up and get away, you know. And these people are, I call them scouts, because they have to have a certain mindset. They have to be explorers willing to go into danger, not foolishly, but calculated risks, but, but pretty big risks. And uh, that's a scout. You could also think of them as assassins, you know, the, the so-called assassins of, of, uh, of past times. That's what they do. They, and even now, you know, they, they infiltrate, they, they get close to you. And that's, you know, when they're too close, that's it. That's when they kill you. So there must be some small percentage of the population that has this genetic sort of ability. And it's interesting when you study this stuff, you know. Um, I think if you studied Owen's background, you would find indeed good, solid peasant stock Germans that are, you know, friendly, neighborly, good neighbors, good community, and quite willing to pick up their sword and fight to protect their, their women, their children, their, their friends. And, you know, they want to live peacefully and happily and gregariously. But if you piss them off, they're a force to be reckoned with. I'm sure that, that that's his genetic stock. Now, my genetic stock that I know of is at least for 800 years we've been uh, mostly mercenaries, soldiers of fortune and that sort of thing with a very honorable sort of approach to war, uh, if you can call it that, because we're sneaky bastards and we get things done. But, um, you know, our word is our bond. And, uh, you know, there's almost a millennia of recorded history of, of my family line doing that. Vox is an interesting thing because Vox is a mixture of the cold people from Northern Europe and the quite hot-blooded, heart-ripping-out-to-please-the-sun-god Aztecs um, and Mayans, which has created an award-winning cruelty artist, you know. He's the kind of guy that Yes, he will rip the hard heart of his enemies in a very artistic, calculated, calm way. And, uh, you know, if you think about it, it sort of makes sense. So I'd like to leave you with that thought. You know, what is your genetic history? Think about it. You know, find out if you don't know. Ask your grandparents if you've got them. Uh, you know, there's a lot of tools nowadays where you can, you can find out quite a lot, quite a lot of things. It's interesting. And, you know, don't, don't worry too much if, you know, you come from a long line of scumbags. I mean, 
you know, try and be good, obviously, but uh, it's always interesting, you know, whatever. I'll tell you a little personal story. So during the, um, the Second World War, one of my grandparents was a pilot. Uh, he had four degrees. That's my maternal grandfather. He was a pilot. I knew him only as granddad, and he was a quiet little guy that, you know, worked away, puttered away in, in what used to be the stables because he had a big house. He was an officer. He belonged to the officer circle. And, uh, you know, he smoked a pipe. And you, you would think he was the most quietest sort of guy. And then in his private moments, he said, oh, you know, his house was a converted convent. It was a really huge house. Like my family from that side used to have a lot of money and they pissed it all away on, I don't know, gambling or something. Um, because I certainly, you know, my family never saw any part of that. But it used to be a huge convent where Cavour, most people won't know who Cavour is, but Cavour was the Italian version of Bismarck. He was Italy's version of the Iron Chancellor. Cavour used to go to that house on holiday. And um, anyway, my, my grandparents owned it, my grandfather owned it. And in his quiet moments, he'd say things like, oh, I wish I could get a nice spotlight and a machine gun on the top of the, of the bell tower, you know, because <laughs> it still had a bell tower. And you just think, what? Quiet little man. Now, my paternal uh, grandfather, that man had like steel balls made out of octagon shape. You know, he was, he, was a, he was a man, he was a proper man. Calm, which is unusual for an Italian, a Venetian, you know, so calm, efficient, effective, strategic, and tactical very accomplished, very, very tough life. You know, his father died when he was 19, but he retired. He left a lot of money to, to his son and his daughter when he passed away and um, always had everything in order, you know. And he managed to avoid going to the, uh, to the military because he was the sole surviving son of a widowed mother. And there was a rule, I think still is in Italy, that if you're the sole surviving son of a widowed mother, you didn't need to join the military. So he worked in Fiat. And again, you know, you'd think this guy's a man, he's not scared of anything, but uh, you would have never thought some of the things that came out only after he died. One, he told me when I was seven years old, because uh, we were studying the war at school and I asked him, you know, what happened, granddad? Because they're telling me this and that and the other, but you were there, you know, what really happened? And he was telling me about how the fascists used to force you to join uh, the fascist party. And, uh, and I said, well, what did they do if you didn't join? So, well, if you didn't join, they used to tie you up by your feet behind the truck and drive around town. And I asked him, I said, and so what happened to them? And he looked at me like, what do you think happened to them if you get dragged behind a truck around town? Well, you did, you know? And I thought, oh, so you were a fascist then? They made you a fascist. He goes, no. I said, but, but you said they made everybody, they forced everybody to become a fascist. I said, yeah, they did. They came to my office. You know, I was, by that time, I was a middle manager. I had my own little office in the, in the, in the Fiat Works. And this, the guy, you know, from the fascist party came and he said, you know, you have to sign up. You haven't signed up yet. And I'd managed to avoid it because I wasn't in the, in the military. But, you know, now the guy had come to my office looking for me and 
So I said, okay, look, can you come to my office just because I, I have my stuff there so I can, my, my documents and whatever. So he got the guy into his little office. And then when it was just the two of them in the office, he closed the door. He pulled out a gun and he put it in his mouth. And he said, I'll take out your wallet. I'm going to blow your brains out right here. So the other guy's like, oh, shit. And he like cocked the gun, put it in his face. And then I'll take out your wallet, put it on the table. And he, he looked through it and he picked up the phone, called his friend. He said, okay, don't, I'm not going to say your name. I'm going to read you this, this guy's name and address and everything. Write it down, okay? Write it down. And he read out the guy's name, address and everything. And he said, now talk to him and let him know what's going to happen to him and his whole family if anything happens to me. And he gave the other guy the phone. And his friend on the other end of the line said, listen, this is your name. This is where you live. This is whatever. If something happens to my friend, if he falls down the stairs and breaks his leg all by himself, I'm going to come to your house. I'm going to set your house on fire. I'm going to shoot you, your wife, your kids, and not even your fucking dog is going to survive. You got it. Goodbye. And he hung up. My granddad waited a couple of days, nothing happened, nobody ever came to ask him for his papers again, to be a fascist. And that was a man that you'd think, he went through all that just not to sign a piece of paper, you know? Another story from, from, from him was um, him and his friend, they used to go, you know, during the war there was no food, so they used to hunt, to, to eat, you know, like they're with the shotgun. And... <clears throat> It's funny, also, that is a genetic thing, because I found the story out from my dad only after my grandfather passed away. And um, I didn't know this at the time, but I'd been hunting with my dad plenty since I was a kid. And sometimes one of the ways that we carry a shotgun is like when you're walking, you know, in the bush and you're tracking or whatever. Is you have the shotgun sort of resting here and you kind of almost like cross your arms. So the shotgun is... The barrel of the shotgun is over there and you can walk like that. You know, yes, you've got the strap and whatever, but you know, there's many ways to carry it. That's just one of the ways. And I never knew, you know, I just carried it like that sometimes, um, which my dad didn't really do. Maybe now and then, but my dad didn't really carry a gun walking that way. He, he would hold it that way for sitting in a car or something, but um, no. And I just used to walk like that sometimes. Which is again, I wondered the genetics of it. Anyway, they were they were hunting, and halfway through their hunt, they come up on these two guys with machine guns, some machine guns. They said, "Hey, you you guys, stop! You have to give us your guns. We need them for the for the freedom fighters." You know, <laughs> it's like, listen, buddy, you know what? We're from the same country, and now you're telling me you you're gonna steal my my shotgun and stuff because you need it for the for the liberation, you know, of, you know, fuck yourself, you know, they're just fucking thieves, they're not like freedom fighters. So the guy said, well, okay, but, you know, we need this to feed our family, you know, he said, I don't care, give us, you know, with the machine guns, like, give us your, your guns, and just, well, okay, then we have to give you the guns. And, uh, you know, he said, well, we have to give you the guns, and he just, doom, doom, you know, he had a over and under, and he only had two bullets, and there's two guys, he had his gun here, but he already had his, his hand on, on the trigger. And he just turned and shot one in the face, shot the other one in the face. And that was it. And nobody ever found out. You know, nobody knew about it. And it only, you know, came out after my grandfather was dead. And such a calm guy, but he, you know, he had a streak in him. 
he was uh, an interesting man. So also that, you know, the, the, there used to be a, a bridge around the same time. My grandfather wouldn't have handguns in his house. You know, my father, you know, he had owned a lot of handguns, still does, rifles, shotguns, you name it. But my grandfather wouldn't have handguns. He said, no, I don't, I don't want handguns. I don't believe in handguns. And then, like, you know, I asked him, but why? You know, they're nice to, to shoot, Grandpa. You know, I like shooting them. And he's just like, look, what's the purpose of a handgun? The only purpose a handgun has is to shoot another human being. I don't want to shoot another human being. You know, I go hunting. I shoot my bird, two birds. That's it, you know. Some people hunt big animals and they've got rifles, okay, but, you know. But the thing is, he did have a handgun, you know, uh, an old illegal one, a Mauser, I think. But because he'd been through two world wars and, uh, you know, he, his intent was, I'll, I don't want to use it. I never want to use it. But if I have to, you know, and during that war period as well, there was uh, a bridge where people used to get mugged quite often. And he used to walk through that bridge every evening. What what used to happen is there was two guys. One guy would ask you for a match to light his cigarette, and the other guy would sneak up behind you with a knife. And he'd clearly planned this because soon, sure enough, one evening, you know, one guy says, you know, here, I've, uh, can you give me a match, you know, to light my cigarette? And my grandpa said, yes, I've got a match. And he just, Chick! so he had the Mauser in his hand with the match, holding the match in his, uh, with his thumb. And he gave the match, so the, the barrel of the guy's, under the guy's nose, and the match is there to say, yeah, light your cigarette. You know, waiting for the guy behind him. <laughs> and he said, and the guy in front with the cigarette was like, okay, thank you. You know, he's trying to signal his friend, just leave this one alone. <laughs> so he was also, you know, why go through that trouble? Because he wanted to get the bad guys. You know, he wanted to upset the bad guys. And, uh, it's a, it's a sort of a genetic trait. So, you know, what about your ancestors? What, what have they done? You know, there, there's always going to be some interesting story. If you if you dig enough, you will find something good, bad, or, or something, you know. But, uh, I mean, one of my great-grandfathers was a, was a mercenary in the Boxer War, you know. I think I've showed his picture before. Uh, it's up there. Anyway, I've, I've shown it before. But he's... He, and you, you look at his face and he looks like such a pleasant, happy man. But he was he became a general in the Boxer War. He was another guy with like, you know, a strange character. But um, so, yeah, it's interesting, that sort of stuff. And uh, all of that just sparked off by the thought that two men that would have a discussion about something. And their first instinct is like, I'm right about this. And the other guy's like, no, you're not. And actually, the, you know, neither one of them is, is bad or evil or trying to push the other guy off or whatever. It's just, I don't know, testosterone or, or something where it's like, you know, what are you saying? What are you saying? Oh, you're saying that? Oh, okay. Actually, that's what I'm saying. So it's cool, you know. <laughs> but in, in the modern world, that is just, oh, you're so aggressive. Like, I'm not aggressive. I'm just fucking talking to the guy, you know. And Owen's a bit shouty and sometimes he has a moustache and, you know, he likes his sort of Germanic people and trying to protect them from the uh, scourge of people who don't wear sombreros. So there you go. But uh, it's, it was nice. It's a, it's a, it gave me a nice sort of feeling. So um, 
That's good. And, and oh, one last thing that upset me is that obviously, because I sent Owen a book and some money, and what really pisses me off is I hope he's got that parcel and maybe, you know, it just looks bummy. So he's put it in some weird place to x-ray it or something. But when he read this letter, he obviously hadn't received the money I sent him and that. And that kind of upset me because I'm hoping that it wasn't, get, you know, it isn't getting stolen. But um, I don't know. I hope it's just a delay on delivering. But but, but the thing is, I know it arrived. Um, I got a notification it arrived. So I don't know um, if Owen, if you ever see this. You know, let me know if you got the book, man, because I sent you one. There you go. I'll, I'll show you the cover just so you can you can relate. There you go. I sent you one of these because I talk about Tesla in here and anti-gravity and all sorts of other stuff. I sent you one of these and uh, some lizard money. I call it lizard money because it's, um, you know, Liz is on the picture, is on the cover of this money. You know, she, she's on the cover. It's her money. Lizzie Liz. So, um, and, uh, and a short note. So I uh, hope you get it, man. And uh, I'll wait a bit. If not, I'm gonna send you another one. Eventually they're gonna have to let one through, right? Maybe I'll ship the next one by boat or drone, who knows? Now you'll probably shoot the drone down. That would be the right thing. If you see a drone over your property, Owen, just blow it out, blow it away. Okay, uh, I think that's it. I've rambled on for over an hour. I hope you enjoyed it. And if not, don't worry about it, because your comments will never appear if you're a little gamma. Now, if you want to criticize something, go right the fuck ahead. But um, make it a real criticism, you know, if you're going to criticize. If you're just going to bitch and moan, you're going straight to the metaphorical mass graves of gammas. Um, and yeah, let me know. If you enjoyed it, good. If not, let me know that too.